welcome to the Two Stewards Show. We're on episode three, and in this episode, Brent, myself, I get the opportunity to interview Mark uh, from Joy Hill Property Management about his company, a little bit about what he does, and the book that him and his wife co-authored. I uh, look forward to kind of jumping in and asking him some pointed questions. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into it. All right, welcome back to the Two Stewards Show. I'm uh, Brent Vanderwood, and this is... Mark Cricky from Joy Hill Property Management. And we are back to talk a little bit about what Mark and his wife, uh, Kirsten, do for a living. And their company's called, as you mentioned, Joy Hill Property Management. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do, and uh, you're in the Airbnb space. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we provide property management. We're in the Hamilton, Ontario area. And our specialty is short and midterm rentals. We uh, we also do long term rentals, but uh, the stuff we really enjoy is uh, is short and midterm. So um, yeah, people talk about Airbnb, and that's almost kind of like a verb or a, a thing unto itself. But generally, like when it. yeah, Airbnb yeah, like it. Airbnb it. So really, usually when we say Airbnb, we mean short term rental. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we do. So what does short-term rental like what makes something a short-term rental versus what midterm long-term yeah so long-term rentals everybody's kind of familiar with i know you are um and that's where you would sign a year lease with somebody with a tenant right and they would uh, they commit to staying up for a year and usually that'll turn into uh, multiple years so um, once airbnb came on the scene they really introduced uh, short-term rentals as a new market segment they did kind of exist in various um, various forms, but not to the extent that it does now, where especially residential real estate um, is being used for short-term rentals. So when we say short-term, that's 30 days or less. That's kind of the generally accepted term. And then uh, midterm is kind of a newer thing again, and that would be 30 days or more. So someone's staying for at least a month, but less than a year. And um, yeah, there's different, uh, different market uh, target markets for uh, for short and midterm, but that is um, that's sort of mid or short term in uh, in a nutshell. Right. So, so your business uh, is a property management business. So, what um, what types of properties do you guys focus on, and how do you approach property management? So, you're not renting long term, um, signing a lease agreement. You're going through some of these platforms, like you mentioned, Airbnb being one of the platforms. So could you just explain that a little bit? Yeah. So we normally will, when somebody approaches us, like a, a client, um, we'll talk about their objectives and, and what they're looking to do. And then that kind of informs the decision as to um, whether it should be a long-term or short-term or mid-term rental and, you know, what the allowable rules in the area are as well. So a lot of the time people will kind of have their minds made up when they come to us. So we don't usually have to sell them on like, either the short-term like or the long-term. Property that yeah, it would be someone who has a property and um, either they've just acquired it or they've just built it and uh, they're looking at, you know, doing something with it. Right. So usually people kind of kind of know like, yep, I just want this to be a long term rental or I want it to be a short term rental. But uh, we usually do an exercise where we sit down and kind of, again, go over their objectives, because once you actually spell out what you're looking to do with this piece of real estate. Um, often that, yeah, informs the, the action you're going to take with it, kind of similar to what 
you guys will do with clients. Um, sit down and there's a lot of uh, pre-planning you need to do before you actually get into uh, setting the place up or using it as that type of rental. So um, pre-planning, planning yeah. before planning. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> you get, you get regular planning and that's you get your pre-planning. <laughs> Um, yeah. And there, so there, there's actually a lot to think about, right? right? And, you know, if you're interested in, you know, long-term equity, minimal effort, um, maybe long-term is the way to go if you don't mind putting a little more effort into it um, and, or a lot of effort into it, then we can look at short or midterm options. And so our focus is property management. We do also work with people who are going to be their own managers and just get their units set up for them. And that's usually on the short-term side. But uh, we provide full-service property management. Um, so, and when you're dealing with short-term rentals, there's sort of two aspects to that. One is the property management. So that's just like us making sure the property doesn't fall into disrepair. And, uh, you know, so if there's minor repairs to be done or major repairs, we either do them or organize them. Um, and that's, you know, property management. People kind of understand that, right? And finding tenants and uh, making sure the place is in, in, uh, in good shape. The other side of it is um, would be co-hosting or, or the hosting aspect of it. So that's when you're dealing with Airbnb and some of these other platforms. Like there's an art to that. And there's a business to it. How do you actually do that to be successful on Airbnb? And, uh, and that's where we come in. Um, to do that. So somebody, you know, we prefer where a, ten, or, um, a client would just kind of hand us the keys right. and be like, here's the property. Um, you know, we've discussed what we're doing with it, but here you go, take care of it for me and just send me money every month, please. Right. And then we can kind of go from there. Some people want to be a little more hands-on and that's fine. But uh, typically, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that the property is in good shape. And so we don't really get into the construction side of things um, like, like you do, but we'll work hand in hand with the client to make sure that it gets up to speed right. for the use that it's intended for. And then, um, yeah. And then on the, on the short term side, then we get the Just unit. Then, uh, before yeah. you go into that sort of thing. So you're not in the construction side of things, but um, if I have a property and I want to do midterm or short term, is there specific things that I should think about when I'm renovating or setting this up? Like, uh, before I call you or I call you and you tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, before you do it, call us, I guess would be my thing. Right. Because yeah, there's a lot to think about similar to, to, to what you've talked about previous episodes. Um, we always want to have a plan B when we're dealing with a client. So they may be interested in short-term rentals. And, and I have a, some good examples of this um, for you as well. They may just like, no, we, we're sick of doing long-term. We're, we want to do short-term rentals. So, you know, that's fine. Let's, let's think about this. But if you can't use your place as a short-term rental, and especially if you're buying a property like from scratch, mm-hmm. right, this informs, again, what you're going to buy. Um, so if it doesn't work as a short-term rental, could it work as a midterm rental? If it doesn't work as a midterm rental, could it work as a long-term rental? So that's always our fallback is we want a place that could be used as a long-term rental um, and that would hold value one way or another. So usually what that means, especially in a, an urban environment, is like a starter home. <clears throat> um, so starter homes are, are kind of unique in that uh, there's generally demand for them, right? So if the economy is, uh, is booming, 
and things are going well and, and lots of people are upwardly mobile, people may be moving from an apartment of some kind and buying their first home. Well, what is that first home going to be? It's going to be a starter home. So there's a lot of demand for that. Um, investors as well, we've seen, have uh, really been competing with first-time home buyers uh, for starter homes. So when things are busy, there's lots of demand for that. On the flip side, if the economy is in a downturn, um, people need to downsize. Like the homes that are going to be sold first generally are going to be the more expensive homes that are harder to keep up and cost more. And if people are downsizing, where are they going to go? They're going to go at the bottom end of ownership anyways to a starter home, right? It may be that so they need to go right down to renting. That's of housing that you kind of advise people to look at and shop around. If you're, if you're going to be buying a property specific for uh, short-term, mid-term rentals. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, there will be exceptions, right? You may have more sophisticated investors or people with portfolios already um, where they're just going to buy a, a specifically a vacation rental, like a cottage or something. Yeah. And then they just need to understand the risk associated with that, that it's going to be cyclical. Um, you can certainly make good money with them. Yeah, but understand, right? yeah, it can be seasonal. If there's a downturn, you may be stuck holding that property with no no recourse either to rent it out or to sell it, because that's the other option too. If you had to sell your real estate holdings, um, could you sell it? So a starter home, there's always demand for it either as a rental or if you had to sell it. Okay, so we got the house. Uh, we're happy with the purchase that we made. Now we want actually you guys in to do it. What kind of services, like what's the next step kind of thing? So even before that, um, we will still look at the house with uh, with clients oh, okay. and just kind of you know just have an idea like is this going to be suitable for what you want to do right okay. often we're going to look at, at duplexing it or you know if it's an existing one is it in good shape or you know like there's here's certain things you need to look out for and um kind of offer offer accordingly right we have to be a little bit careful because we're not licensed real estate professionals so the advice that you can give, there's a bit of a thin line there. But um, in general, we want to advise, just make sure people are getting the right place that's going to work, um, yeah, for, for what they're intending. Yeah, and so for if you're using uh, Joy Hill as a property management company, um, and they, are, they want to have input on the purchase, and that's going to make the whole process smoother. Yeah, yeah, and we always recommend, like, get a property inspector right. uh, out there to do that, and some of that's for liability as well but you know i can look at a property and be like you know what i don't think like this basement's wet right. so you know either don't buy it or buy it knowing that you're gonna have to do a lot of work right, right. just some things like that especially because we work with a lot of first-time home buyers or investors buying their uh buying like an investment property so so yeah once they have the property then we're going to, um, you know, and assuming construction is done, if anything is needed, or, you know, or if stuff's needed, we can hook them up with uh, with local contractors to get the work done. And then, uh, yeah, then starts, assuming we're doing a short-term rental, then starts the process of uh, getting it ready for listing. So there's typically some setup involved. you got to furnish the place, and we'll provide, you know, like a, a rough budget for that. Yeah, that to me jumps out as the biggest difference between long-term and short-term is the furnishing or expenses related to actually making this place habitable for tenants. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, there's the painting and, and that kind of base layer stuff that has to be done. 
and uh, there's even some, I mean, most, a lot of the same rules apply, right? You want to keep it neutral generally so that it offends the least amount of people as possible, right? <laughs> so when you're doing a short-term rental, it, it doesn't hurt to have some color in there. So maybe an accent wall or something that'll stand out, especially for pictures, but um, unless so you- say You're designing to not offend and we try to design to attract. <laughs> attract certain people, you're just not, not offending the most amount of people. Well, because with sense. with short term rentals, you've got a lot of people coming in and out, right? right. Like why are yeah, why are hotels you know always beige yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or traditionally, anyways? But yeah. that was kind of the thought behind it, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't stand out unless it's a higher end one, but it also doesn't like offend you, like right. you know. And uh, you know, we see some Airbnbs that are very well done, and they may have like hot pink and stuff, and they're they're themed. Um, and that can work, but you have to be really careful when you do that because some people may love that. And then a lot of other people may just be like, ah, too much. So we try to make sure it's tasteful and, um, and there's a lot you can do with decor, right? Which isn't my uh, strong suit. Kirsten normally kind of takes care of that, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning, right? So you kind of, <laughs> you don't you... have to do everything. You don't have to get over your <laughs> um, yeah, you keep it neutral and then you, you kind of use your decor as, as the accents, right? So whether it's your like couches, furniture, artwork, that kind of thing. So um, I have a bit of a, a bit of a problem with um, with auctions and, and buying artwork. And uh, like, I just, I love it, especially for some of the more, um, the older places we have that have like sort of, you know, the vintage or Victorian, right? There's lots of cool stuff you can get in auction. So I'm always, uh, always looking for, you know, either antique books or paintings that we can throw in the listings. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, but typically we will work with the client and just say like, either we can get everything and that's fine. That's hands off. And we, you know, we'll charge a fee for that. Or, um, here's a list of everything to get. And that's like down to, you know, forks and toothpicks and right. everything you need for your kitchen. And that will vary in, um, according to, according to the use. So if it's a short-term rental, there's certain amenities that Airbnb looks for that you might not consider putting in otherwise. And, um, and this is a method that some people use is they just, uh, that some hosts will use is they really stack their amenities. So they will buy everything on the amenities list, like a rice cooker, a mosquito net, a kayak. So these are like Airbnb has a list of things that tenants are looking for. And you can say whether you have them or not. And then what does that do? Boost your listing or makes it more attractive? To yeah. So something like a mosquito net, you know, we don't need mosquito nets here, but it's, it's on the list for Airbnb right. because in some areas that's important. But once you kind of understand how the system works, that there's an algorithm that uh, goes through all the listings and it looks at a whole bunch of different things, but one of those is sort of completeness. So if you can tick off every single amenity, it looks like a really complete profile and that will boost you in the, in the listings when people are searching. So where you show up in that list of, uh, of homes in the area. Right. So this so, is something you guys are thinking about on behalf of the property owner investor. Like yeah. They don't have to worry about their listing being boosted or where it sits. On yeah. The we take, we take care of that. Yeah. yeah. There's certain things to do. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> right? And there's certain things in the initial setup where... I'm sure I could watch a lot of YouTube videos <laughs> to try to figure out how to, but you're so <laughs> I watch a lot of YouTube videos okay. and podcasts, but, um, and yeah, things you learn along the way. So in the example of a mosquito net, that would just, you would just throw it in the closet, right? right. And there's a line, right? Like a hot tub is also nice, but are you going to, in, in the market that you're in, are you going to get through the uh, return on investment for a hot tub, right? So in a typical urban market like here, no, you're not getting it or a swimming pool. They're nice to have and they would, they may help yeah. increase your, uh, your, um, your bookings and, and what you can charge, but yeah, you have to, it's, you know, if I spend 10 grand on something, am I going to get that 10 grand back in additional bookings over the course of, you know, two years, if that's our, where we want to get our, um, or like our cash on cash returns. So a lot of things like that. So if it's a $50 item, like, yeah, let's get it. And we throw it in the closet. You never use it. At least you can say it's there. And if somebody does ask for it, you could be like, yep, it's in the closet. Right. <laughs> they may never, it may never come up, but, um, and that's just, that's one little example of, of the things and some of the complexity that you have to uh, consider when you're setting up an Airbnb, because it's not all intuitive, right? The intuitive stuff, most people get right. Make sure it's, it's inviting, it's attractive, it's comfortable. Your beds are comfortable, that it's clean. Cleanliness is like, is huge. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, there's a lot of other things that you wouldn't really consider that seem kind of silly. Like, why would I buy a mosquito net? But um, it can make potentially make a big difference, right? They're all incremental things. But when you yeah. add them all up, that's that's how you get your rankings right, up. Maybe I need to hire you guys because uh, my wife and I moved out for a couple months. Uh, we're house sitting somewhere else. And, um, yeah, we had a three-month window when we looked at Airbnb as an option. And we decided to go for it. And yeah, it was a big learning curve. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had uh, good reviews, bad reviews, but um, yeah, it was a lot to take in um, just to get the house set up in the first place. But then um, I didn't even think of some of these things, like what do you need to actually do to get uh, search results? And because there's, the, there's, I guess there's a side of it of making the unit uh, a place that you can live. And then there's the other side of it. You actually have to market that unit to people and attract them and get them to buck your unit. And that's where you actually make money. And I guess that's maybe a bit of a snowball there where people, yeah, like if people book it, then you get a good review and it just, yeah, it, it adds up. Right. So you can like any business, you can have the best product in the world, but if you don't market it, nobody's going to buy it. You might get a few people, friends and family, but um, nobody knows it exists. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's kind of useless. You've spent all that money for nothing. So, and there's, there's a lot that goes into that um, and a lot of, you know, kind of daily stuff that we do uh, for, for our clients to make sure that we kind of stay up near the top of the um, top of the rankings. You can't, you know, there's some stuff that is not in your control and some right. of it will depend on the actual property and maybe the size of it. And that's where we try and advise people. But sometimes we're working with a property that they already have. And they're not going to sell it and buy something better. Um, they just want to, and maybe they want to hang on to it because they're, you know, leaving the country for a while and they're going to come back. So we're just going to make the best of what we have there, and um, yeah, try and uh, try and get it booked. But that's you know, getting the bookings. So there's there's a couple of things you need to do. One is uh, get the ranking up. You know, how do you do that? But the, the goal is A, to get clicks on your listing, and then B, which is the real goal, is to get bookings. 
but those aren't always the same, uh, the same, there's different things you'll do to get clicks versus to get the bookings, right? To get the bookings, you have to have the goods and, and once people are, no, you don't lower your, don't lower the price. Okay. Okay? Number one lesson, don't lower the price. Um, sometimes you have to, but, um, what gets a booking isn't always what gets a click. Right. Right. And there's, there's a lot that, uh, that kind of goes into that as well. But, um, you know, so pictures is a big one and, um, like the photos on the listing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm a little bit, we'll we'll get some, well, so I'm a little bit torn on that. Um, because there's, there's, again, there's a line with the property. So if you have, uh, like we encourage people, yeah, let's get professional photos and, uh, you know, that may cost you a couple hundred bucks, but generally worth it. But you have to make sure that your photos match reality. Right. <clears throat> because if, um, you know, if you have a beautiful place, beautiful cottage, like, yeah, get all the sunset pictures and the lake and the, and the whatever else, because when people come there, they will experience that. Yeah. And it's probably even better in real life. But right. you can have the case where your pictures are better than what the place actually is. And I've seen this a lot on, yeah. uh, and even experienced it when I booked Airbnbs and stayed at them. You get there and you're like, oh, this place is kind of a dump. Right beside a hydro line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, they're not taking pictures of the, the, the moldy baseboards or, or those kind of things. Right. right. So you can oversell your property and, you know, you might say, what's the problem with that? Like it's marketing. That's what I want to do. Right. The problem is you're going to get worse reviews than if you had more mediocre pictures. So we don't always push customers expectations way up here. He comes in and sees. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you manage those expectations, because we have certain, you know, some properties that like aren't the greatest and the best, but we'll present it kind of the way it is and, and have the information in the listing, like whatever awards might exist yeah. um, with that listing. So that when people go there, they know exactly what they're, yeah. what they're going to get. Okay. And so that makes sense. So you talked a little bit about short-term rentals and I know you wrote this book, um, you, me and Airbnb, the savvy couple's guide to turning midterm rentals into big time profits. So you and uh, your wife, Kirsten, um, wrote this recently, and this is about midterm rentals. So that to me is something that's kind of new on the scene and I haven't learned too much about it, but what, how does that differentiate from short term? Like what sorts of things would you do differently from just a regular Airbnb, um, when you're looking at specifically midterm, like what are the advantages of that? And <clears throat> yeah, for sure. So the one advantage, if you're self-managing is that it's way less work. It is less revenue midterm compared to short term, um, but depending on, you know, what stage of life you're in or, or how busy you are, you know, if you want to hire someone to manage it or not, um, it's a lot less work. So especially if you're, it's more work than a long-term rental. So going from a long-term to a midterm might still seem like, oh, it's more work, right? Um, but that that is the one, um, the one big advantage if you're, uh, if you're self-managing. Another one is that it tends to be more stable. So again, not as much revenue, but it's more stable revenue. And for us coming from short-term rentals and getting into midterm, we're like, wow, this is awesome because I can predict my cash flow for the next, you know, not for the next year. Um, 
until you have kind of a, a, a baseline of what demand is in your uh, in your area. But I know for the next three months or six months, I'm getting X amount of money. And uh, it takes a little bit of the stress off with um, when you're doing Airbnb and you're not sure what's happening, um, especially when it's a slower time, right? You get to know kind of the seasonality of your market. So we know that January to March in Hamilton is typically slower for short-term rentals. There's not as many people doing touristy kind of stuff or visiting right after Christmas. Yeah. Um, so midterm rentals are, are perfect for that. So often we'll do kind of a hybrid strategy. Now that's <laughs> probably come to an end in Hamilton anyways, with the uh, recent regulations. Um, we'll see how that goes, but uh, they've restricted short-term rentals to uh, basically principal residents only. So if you're an investor and you've got a second property in uh, in Hamilton, you, you won't be able to use that as a short-term rental. You won't be able to get a license as a short-term rental. And those that, you know, even in your principal residence, you've got to get a license, fire inspection, all that stuff. But um, getting back to the midterm. So these are stays of 30 days or longer. And um, this is a different audience, a different target market than a short-term yeah, rental. Say, like who's looking for that sort of... Uh rental like 30 days yeah if someone's actually going to be moving i would assume they would go long term but like why would somebody choose midterm yeah so in short term you're looking you're relying a lot on tourists or people in town for for different reasons maybe for work for like a very short uh like a couple of days oh, kind of thing conferences so you're getting people who may have stayed in hotels right. um previously and like, you know, our family is a good example. If we travel, we're going to stay in an Airbnb <clears throat> and I'm going to find a place that has Airbnbs. And if it doesn't, I'm probably not going to go to that place. <laughs> out of spite. <laughs> no, well, not out of spite, but I don't want to bring yeah. four little kids and us into a hotel. And often, you know, we may have another person with us too, or um, the wife's parents, for example. So like we've done it, but it's just, I hate it. Right. I'd rather have a house where we can go and chill and make our own meals. And uh, we have like, you're not being disrupted by other people necessarily. <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but that's true. My children are quite disruptive. Um, but no, you've got a living room or yeah. a toy room or whatever. There's just more room and more, more amenities to, uh, to deal with stuff. So anyways, you, so you'll get people like that traveling for, you know, just traveling. Hamilton is actually, a decent tourist destination because we're in, in the middle of Niagara Falls in Toronto. Right. And um, so like anybody who's listening, think about what's around you because it, that may not have occurred to you. It never occurred to us that Hamilton would be a tourist destination. Yeah. In a global but perspective, why would somebody come to your city? Well, yeah. 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 But there may be something you're not if thinking of. If it's within driving distance to a major uh, <clears throat> site, then yeah. Yeah. Especially like national parks in the States, right? right? Which is kind of under... Um, underserved. Um, but anyways, yeah. So th those are the kind of folks you're getting for short-term rentals and yeah. even like what hospital stays, that kind of thing. So it's, I'm getting to the midterm, okay. I'm getting there, but in terms of vetting your guests as well, there's a little bit of a difference, right? With short-term stays, we want to avoid people who are local. And there's, there's kind of three things that like, um, the, the unholy trinity of, of short-term stays, which is someone who's local, someone who books last minute, and who books for one night. If you have all three of those things, do not do that rental. 
uh, because it's always, maybe not always, but 99% of the time, it's going to result in a problem because that's either somebody who's looking to have a party, looking to do drugs, or is involved in sex work. And like, you don't want any of those things in your property. So one way to get around that is to, um, is just to have like a three night minimum and that weeds out most of it. And then you can kind of, you know, if it's a three night minimum and it's last minute, but they're not local, that's usually okay. If it's three night minimum and they're local, but it's not last minute, right. You can ask them like, why you want to stay here? Yeah. So you do a little bit of vetting of vetting. So that's the short term sign on the midterm side. It's a totally different clientele. So local is good. Local's fine. But what you really want is homeowners. For the most part, that's kind of the biggest uh, market. So you'll be getting people who are doing renovations um, or who have sold their house and and the the closing dates don't match up between their sale and the new purchase. So we've had lots of people come in for a couple months doing renos or between houses, right? So they've got the disposable income whether that's the line of credit that they're using to fund their renovation or they've sold a house, they made some money. Um, So they have money. So that's important too. You want people who've got some disposable income that are comfortable to pay that the, um, the rate for a midterm rental. So a midterm rental is not going to be as much as a short-term rental, right? The same cost for a month, let's say, but it's going to be more than a long-term rental. So it could be up to double the cost of a, uh, a long-term rental, right? Depending on the market and where things are at, but 50, to, 50 to hundred <laughs> percent, the, the rates of a long-term rental, whereas Airbnb could be a hundred to 200% or, you know, in this area anyways, some areas are, uh, can be a little bit different. Um, but I'm talking about like an urban kind of market, not a vacation, strictly vacation rental. Yeah. Right. So there, that is a, a fair difference in, uh, in rates, but you want someone who's able to put down that kind of cash to stay in your place for a little while. So that means they need to have the cash, need to have the wherewithal to, to be able to do that. So they'll probably need a credit card that has that kind of a limit on, on the card to be able to pay that monthly. Right. And like, yeah, that's not a huge hurdle, but it eliminates a lot of the folks that you don't want in there. So what you don't want is renters, people who are like between places, got kicked out of a place, need a place to stay because they're not going to leave yeah. once you get them in. Yeah. Right. So you like you got to avoid that. So homeowners is a big one. So is there a way because I can see the situation where somebody uh, gets out of their or gets evicted from a place and then they. They need a place to live, so they find a midterm rental or Airbnb listing, and they rent it for a couple months, and then they they won't move on. So, what do you do as management company or an owner in that case? Like, is there a recourse for you to get somebody out who is not paying, or how does that work? So, the traditional thinking is that once you're past 30 days, this is landlord tenant board um, area, mm-hmm. and you're stuck with them. They could be there for a year until you get your hearing. Not really the case, but there's a few things you want to do to set up, set yourself up for success or to, to mitigate risk. So one of those is don't use a standard lease, standard Ontario lease form, because that just reinforces that this is a regular lease. You want to keep it as a business transaction. So that means some kind of, some different kind of lease. So something, and that could just be the Airbnb agreement, but something where you can show either police or sheriff or even landlord tenant board, like, no, you, you actually don't have jurisdiction. This is a business transaction. 
the same as a short-term rental would be because um, they don't have jurisdiction there. This is a business transaction. And, uh, you know, if you have a business lease, that's very different than a residential lease in Ontario anyways, right? And, and in most places, right? So you can evict within seven days on a business lease and like with very little notice um, for so any you reason. you have to go to the landlord tenant board to get a... Well, so there's confusion about that because some people have done that, but technically no, okay. right? You need to to either have the police or the sheriff understand that this is a business transaction and actually okay. they have jurisdiction. And like cops don't take Airbnb uh, courses <laughs> as part of the training. I don't think anyways, right? Yeah. So you just have to be able to plead your case, but like you don't want to go down that road even because just the potential for confusion. So that's where vetting your tenants, yeah. sorry, your, your guests, don't call them tenants because that just <laughs> plays into that whole thing, um, makes a big difference. So that's why I said you don't want renters. Right. And like you can interview people and you can ask them why they want to stay in your place. And I've had, you know, I've talked to some people who are actually like just dropped by the, uh, the people's uh, residence because they said, oh yeah, we're doing renovations. So we need a place to live. So they're like, okay, oh, hey, I'm in the area. Could I just pop by and uh, we'll chat or sign this thing? And they'll go, they've gone and actually verified that, yep, they're doing renovations. Like, yeah, there's drywall dust, there's this, there's that, okay, right? Wow. I don't usually go to that extreme, yeah. but um, you do a little bit of research, right? Find out. If you're doing a long-term rental, you're going to find out. Like, you can call and verify their employment. You can verify their income. Due diligence on everybody. Yeah. So you're not going to the same, you're not running credit checks, but you can do a lot of that same stuff to verify that their story um, checks out because they could be with you for three to six months. So it's worth it to do that extra work up front mm -hmm. and uh, just make sure that um, they are who they say they are and they have a valid reason, not for wanting to stay, but for wanting to leave. Nice. They always, you always want them to have a reason to leave. So another uh, potential source of, uh, of guests would be immigrants. And that's like, that's huge here, right? So someone who's got a bit of money and has uh, immigrated to Canada and they don't really know, like they, they got on a plane and they got here, but do they want to live in Toronto? Do they want to live in Hamilton, Montreal? Like they don't know. So they may stay in Hamilton for, for a month or two. And like, you know, any city, insert your city name here, right? Yeah. And just kind of get their feet under them, figure out if they're going to, what they want to do for work, start a business, just kind of get the lay of the land, right? So having somewhere to stay for a month or two is perfect for them. Yeah, I can imagine like if you don't have any family connections or any church community or anything like that. Yeah. Well, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Oh, yeah. And so that can be a little bit harder to verify, but again, you know, you want to have a conversation with them, talk to them. Um, and then kind of the last... Um, uh, the last two categories, one would be uh, workers, like people in town for a longer work project. Okay. And um, so that's important for direct bookings, especially, which if we have time, we'll get into. Uh, and then also people like with insurance claims. So their house burned down, the insurance adjuster is finding them a place to uh, to stay. Um, but the, all of these people have reasons a, to leave. We've got a short list of insurance adjusters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Working on it. Um <clears throat> But that, that is an interesting point because um, with short-term rentals, you don't want to just rely on Airbnb, for example. You want to work on direct bookings. And there's a lot more people talking about that and, and doing education about that. But also for midterm rentals, that's quite important as well. 
is having a network or building a network of people that uh, you can find for midterm rentals. Because <clears throat> of all the people that I've listed, they may not be on Airbnb looking for a place, right? They may have someone else looking for them or trying to do word of mouth or whatever, because people still don't really understand that midterm rentals are, uh, are even a thing. Right. A lot of people are like, oh, you can rent a place for two months? Like, that's cool. I didn't know that. And I can get a furnished place for three months? Like, okay, yeah. And specifically for the reasons that I mentioned, right? Why people might need a rental. Right. Because they're not, they're not, that's not in their frame of mind, right? You don't do a reno every year. So you don't need a place every year for that purpose. So you would have um, a network of people or a system to be able to... Um, drive direct bookings and does that that basically goes around um, Airbnb and their fees is that the idea and the advantage for the investor well there, there's two advantages right one um, if you're doing you're doing short-term rentals uh, in an urban setting or even midterm rentals um, you may not you may not have a lot of repeat guests uh, like one-offs on the corporate side you might with the company. So that's where it's important to build that. But for short-term rentals, people will talk about uh, email marketing. And especially if you have a vacation rental, like a cottage, getting, capturing the email addresses or contact info of the people that are staying there so that you can market to them year round, right? Not be annoying, but you know, send them a quarterly update or whatever. So they're like, Oh yeah, I like that cottage. We should go there again next year. Right. And that, um, so there's two things that does is it, you're not paying the Airbnb 15% uh, marketing, like th their cut, which like we're happy to pay because that's, that's marketing and that gets you a guest fine. But if you don't have to pay it, then don't. Right. Yeah. Um, but it also just helps secure um, your future bookings and just your sort of your bit because it's a business, right? It's another helps. layer of listing or another layer of guests. Yeah, that you're not relying on Airbnb or somebody else to do because Airbnb is going to act in Airbnb's own interest. Right. So That's not always aligned. Or something like that. Yeah, or if they, like they'll change policies all the time that okay. just irritate hosts to no end. And just like go on Facebook, you'll find people complaining about them all the time. And it's like, well, on one hand, yeah, that irritates me. But on the other hand, I want to also know that I have a partner that's going to stay around. And that means they need to make business decisions that ensure that they stay around. And that doesn't always align with what I want. Right. So it's, you know, there's a bit of play there, but yeah. So with direct bookings, you're saving those fees. Although sometimes you're incurring your own fees for uh, your own marketing, right. And website and, and, and things like that, whatever you have to do to get those guests, but eliminate the fees and then just kind of secure your own future, uh, future bookings. Yeah, so you have a little bit more control over that, right? Yeah. So you may not be collecting email addresses and all the contact info for everybody that comes to a midterm rental, because again, somebody doing a reno, chances of them doing another reno in next year, pretty slim, right? During the pandemic, maybe, <laughs> but, um, you know, so getting that kind of information is as critical. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, is there another layer to what you guys do? So you manage um, the property in the sense that you take care of uh, the day-to-day, -day, making sure that things are not falling apart. And then you also take care of, um, well, first of all, you take care of getting the right property in the first place and setting it up. But 
uh, furnishing it. Like, are you going in and cleaning this thing and doing the laundry and that sort of stuff? Um, how do you manage that whole process? I'm assuming you've got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of balls in the air. Yeah, a little bit of juggling. So again, with midterm, um, not as much cleaning, right? We will offer cleaning to people if they want it, but typically if they're, if you get the right person, they're responsible and they're, they're going to do their own cleaning. Right. We've so even had people after they're gone. Yeah. Not, before and after. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, we'll offer cleaning as, as a service, but, um, typically the people don't, uh, won't do that. Um, but yeah, cleaning is just, I can't stress it enough. Making sure your place is clean, whether it's a short or a midterm rental is just critical. And especially for reviews, right? If you're using, a um, online tra travel agency or OTA like Airbnb, Booking.com and, and VRBO are sort of the other ones in this area. Okay. But um, yeah, cleaning is is very critical. But yeah, so the other things we'll do is, yeah, we'll organize the cleaning. So we don't do the cleaning anymore unless it's like something happened and, and all our cleaners are busy or not yeah. available, right? But um, this was a source of uh, frustration for us, I guess, for years running our own listings, right? We had three listings and um, had to do the laundry for each of them and the cleaning. Yeah, I can imagine. And when I say we, really, I just mean Kirsten. <laughs> yeah. um, but a bit like, too steep of a learning curve for you. <laughs> What's this laundry machine? Yeah. There are all these buttons. But I just rubbed it on this washboard. Um, <laughs> but no, like even just doing three short-term rental listings, ton of work right. a ton so eventually i can convince gerson like get some help get someone else to clean right like the cleaning is one thing but doing the laundry that's huge right if you got two three beds times two three listings you're doing laundry all the time right so and there's things you can do to mitigate that but um yeah so that's one thing we do is organize cleaning we don't do it ourselves we have cleaners okay. and uh they will come in and uh and do the cleaning and that's passed on to the guest as a, uh, as a cleaning fee. Um, and then some, yeah, we do all the guest interactions as well. So um, when people inquire about a property, we need to respond. And, you know, there's, there's things you can do with like auto responses and a lot of automated messaging that helps get probably 80% of the messaging done automatically. Right. And you can do it. And most people don't realize that it's an automated message, which is yeah, whatever. That's cool. Right. And then there's stuff in between where you just, you need to be quick with your uh, snappy with your responses. Um, because that's another thing too. Your response time is measured on Airbnb. So if you don't okay. get back to people relatively quickly, that's measured in your metrics and uh, doesn't reflect well on you. I see. Okay. So, so you take care of that as well. Yeah. Basically like the homeowner is not dealing with customers at all, unless we're doing a co-hosting thing where we're sort of, in the background watching what they're doing, but yeah, typically no. Um, so cleaning any repairs in between visits, right? Little things, we try and keep them up. And, and this is, this is why most Airbnbs are in better shape than long-term rentals, right? Because you're always upgrading stuff, right? Go in and, there every time. Yeah. And you're making sure the landscaping's done, right? Typically we'll have someone do the snow or the grass, uh, make sure that's all up to par. So organize that kind of thing, make sure, um, some of them will pay some of the utility bills. We encourage homeowners to, to take care of that, but, um, some of them will manage all that. If the owner is out of country, then we'll need to do, uh, tax remittances. 
So there's some specific rules about, uh, um, yeah, about tax. That's important to know and to abide by so that you don't get hit with a big tax bill at the end of the year. So we'll make sure those remittances are done to, uh, to the CRA. Um, and then just kind of monitoring the listing, right? There's a lot of work behind the scenes where I, like every day I'm looking at the rankings of our properties. Where are we? Right. And if we're falling, um, like why, and what can I do to improve it? Cause we always want to be on the top, you know, one or two pages of Airbnb, especially when it's slow, right? If it's busier, you may be on page five, six, seven, and you're still going to get bookings. Yeah. But when it's slow, like it is now, and there's been, you know, a massive increase in the number of Airbnb hosts in, well, across North America, but especially in our area. Um, so there's a lot more competition. So what can we do to make sure we stay up in the rankings, right? Yeah. So there's, uh, and, and like you said, don't lower the price, but what, uh, what's the rationale behind the pricing side of it? Um, the, that's something you guys handle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the price should be the last thing that you adjust if, and I, lower right. if you're having issues with bookings right so again understanding what the airbnb uh and i always talk about airbnb like booking.com and verbo exist as well very few listings from them so we really cut and airbnb is the biggest um the biggest ota so we really concentrate on that and there's the most information and tools available for for airbnb so you have to understand what the algorithm is looking for and that's not always evident and we don't always know either, right? Because there are changes roughly every two weeks to what Airbnb um, actually, how their algorithm works. And then once in a while they'll do it, like you kind of keep up to them, but once in a while they'll do a big one. They did one recently where nobody really knows or has figured out exactly what, um, what the algorithm's looking for now. So people are trying all kinds of like, get rid of your cleaning fees, lower the prices, do this, do that, right? So there's usually a few things that um, that if you do correctly, you'll do okay. So one of them is having like a complete profile. Oops, complete, right in air quotes. So that means um, your pictures, even if they're not the greatest quality, are bigger and there's lots of them. Right. Right, you are checking in on your profile. Um, if you can do it daily, do it daily. And there's ways to do that. But like you're involved and you're, 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 you're an involved host basically, right? But you have all your amenities checked off, for example, or as many as you can. Um, Airbnb loves to add amenities. So you got to check in frequently to see like, oh, they added um, doggy bed or something, right? Yeah. Do I have that? And sometimes amenities just disappear off your listing. So you got to go back in and be like, yes, I have You're a smart TV. You're saying all this stuff and I'm going like, yeah, this is a lot of work. You know, I'm falling asleep on you now. Um, that makes total sense that, um, you know, you want to boost listings, you want to get money. Um, uh, want to basically make the price the last thing that we adjust. Okay. So I got that. Um, so you guys focus on midterm rentals. Um, Maybe you do some short-term rentals to fill the gaps. You steer away from long-term rentals just because of your service, the way it works. Um, what do people do to get in contact with you or to learn more about what you actually do? Um, I don't know. You could probably talk to me forever, but if somebody is has a property and they want to know if it works or if, like, do they call you if they're they're looking for a property? Like, uh, yeah. how do they start? How do they get started? 
Yeah, if you're thinking about doing short-term rentals in this area or anywhere, I guess, just give us a call, right? Talking is free, usually, <laughs> up to a point. But uh, no, like I talk with a lot of people and uh, like talk. I, I don't mind talking. Yeah. Beats working, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, like I will have, I'm in conversations with a lot of people and just like maybe monthly or something where they're like, hey, I, you know, I read the book or heard about you and this is what we're thinking of doing. What do you think? We'll be like, yes, no, whatever. Here's things to look out for. And then a month later, we'll have another call and they're like, oh yeah, that property didn't work out. Here's another one. So we can do like a market analysis, whether it's in our area or somewhere else. And um, yeah, just talk. And, and sometimes people just need a little bit of help for their own listing, their own management. I'm happy to provide that because uh, like education, I think is important. And um yeah, education. Education should be free. Yeah, all the time. To me, Depending. it's uh, you know, once you know all of these things, you know the value of them, and um, you know how much work it is. And if you're not cut out for that, but you still want to have the benefits of renting your place on Airbnb and getting the the benefits of having a higher cash flow, or um, yeah, some of these different things of you know having the opportunity to fix your property up more frequently, uh, not being governed by the landlord tenant board. Uh, see a lot of advantages to it. So I know who to, who to Yeah. Yeah. And from a business perspective, like you're saying, well, you spend all this time talking to people that's dumb. Like really it's not because like yourself, I can get into it and some people will just be like, yep, I want to learn everything you're going to teach me. And like, you know, read the book, I'll send you additional stuff and they'll do it. And I'm happy for them. Other people will be like, that's way too much. Like I can't do this. You do it for me. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a ratio there. And, um, I guess that's part of marketing, right? you know, when it comes right down to it. So it's, uh, you know, if, if you're thinking of calling us and wasting my time, like, go ahead. It's, it's worth it to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, everyone go check out the book, you, me and Airbnb, uh, Mark and Kirsten Cricky, the savvy couple couples guide to turning midterm rentals into big time profits. Uh, thank you, Mark. And, uh, we'll see you guys next time on the two stewards podcast. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.